Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Splitting Hairs podcast by Jack Rabbit Illustrated. I'm Matt Tollefson, joined by Kyle Sheehan. Kyle, how you doing? Doing well, feeling good again after another W. How about yourself? Yeah, absolutely feeling great. Uh, it was an awesome beef bowl last night down in Brookings. Uh, crowd was into it. The players were into it. It was uh, a beautiful weather day. Can't ask for any better weather at the end of September here. Uh, how was it down in Texas? Too hot, man. It needs to go away. But uh, <laughs> there's a saying here in Texas, it kind of applies to South Dakota a little bit, depending on the time of year. But it's like, if you like the weather, just wait 15 minutes because it's sporadic. It's going to change. So, yes, just just looking for fall to roll in fully. But it uh, looked like a beautiful day, uh, beautiful evening up there in, in the brook. So, yes, it was it was excellent. Uh before we get into the football, I have to give a shout out to one of my tailgating partners, Tim Goldhammer. Uh, Tim is a wonderful chef, and our, our tailgating spot got third in the beef bowl cook-off. And uh, Tim prepared heart, oxtail, uh, and tongue. And so we did this trifecta of uh, variety meats and, uh, and organ meats. And... Uh, Tim absolutely crushed it. It was so delicious. It sounds disgusting, but Tim did an amazing job preparing it. And it was really cool to hear him talk to the judges about uh, how he, how he prepared it and, and uh, the uses and stuff and how there could, you know, potentially be a market for this type of meat in the future. So it was really cool there. So shout out to Tim. Good job, buddy. That's awesome. People take their food seriously up there. I love it. Yes, definitely. So enough with that. Uh, let's get into the game. Uh, Kyle, what, what were some of your observations with the game last night? Well, let's start with what I think has emerged as uh, the top tier unit on the squad this year. That's the defense. The, the defense was um, bending a little bit, but the linebackers were flowing. We were hitting. Uh, Seven Wilson always appearing somewhere at or around the ball. Um, did a nice job being where he needed to be, being in position. Had Christian Roseboom making big plays as well with the pick six, doing other things he needed to do consistently, getting people in place, um, especially with an offense that was throwing a lot of different things at them with shifts, trades, motions, different formations, and really a quarterback that had a lot of moxie, um, as we'll get into uh, a little later in the podcast. But Logan Backus, man, just being consistent, stepping up, uh, player of the game for the Beef Bowl, had 11-plus tackles, six solo, a block kick, a near-force fumble. Maybe if he does a little more curls with uh, Mikey Daniel and some of the other cats, he'll, uh, <laughs> he'll be able to rip that one out a little cleaner. But, uh, no, heck of a game by that young man. And he just continues to improve. And, um, you know, that whole defense is really up in the ante for one another. And uh, I, like, I like seeing it. Yeah, they, it, I don't know. A better duo at linebacker. Uh, it, right now, the way they're playing, uh, Bacchus and Roseboom, and you're right, Seven Wilson uh, has really stepped up. You know, I talked about him earlier in the season as just a player that that I've loved since since we started recruiting him, and I think now just getting the opportunity to get on the field has made such a difference in his confidence and and how he's playing. Because you're right, man, he's always around the ball. Eight solo stops last night. Uh, so it's just really cool to see him get the opportunity and kind of flourish. 
the uh, yeah, and, he can, yes. and he's making guys right too by getting to getting to the ball. You know, when a back slips out and just just closing that ground uh, to allow you know team pursuit to follow. That's you can't take that for granted. That closing speed. Yes. Uh, the unit I want to talk about is the offensive line, the 605 Hogs. So I wore my 605 Hogs shirt yesterday uh, just because I was feeling good about them. And, and they showed up last night. Uh, zero sacks. Felt like Jabore had plenty of time. Uh, I don't think that he got pressured. It didn't feel like last night. I have to go back and do a rewatch to be sure. Uh, but then they paved the way for 241 yards on the ground. And uh, I think it was in the first half, second quarter, they had that drive where they ran the ball every play and it was a first down. I think uh, Pierre had three first downs in a row and then CJ. uh, And it just felt like really a tone setting drive. I think that's what I tweeted. Uh, The reception at the stadium was terrible last night. So uh, I'm not sure how my tweet orders came out and everything like that, but, uh, but man, like what, what a, what an attitude that they came out with and said, you know, Southern Utah, we know you, you have a big defensive line, but uh, we're going to impose our will and, uh, and dominate. And I think you and I have been um, maybe not critical, but a little bit harder on the offensive line the last couple of weeks after a couple of disappointing performances against some, some opponents we felt they should dominate against. But last night they really showed up and stepped out or <laughs> stepped up and showed out. Yeah, indeed they did. You know, Jabori could have could have been wearing a white uniform last night. As far as I'm concerned, like would have been uh, just as clean as the blue one he donned on Saturday because he was upright. You know, which is always nice to see, but definitely nice to see when he's coming off of a little hand injury or any injury. Really, you don't want you want your quarterback clean and, and upright. So that was awesome. Definitely established ourselves later on in the game. Uh, I like seeing the running attack, but but I know that Coach Eck really wanted to get Jabori some, some good work because we got to make up for some of the lost reps from the, the two previous games that he sat out. So you want to get him in rhythm, want to get some good timing throws out there. He definitely did some nice things. Obviously, he showed you the touch that he can put on the ball and put it in the right spot with, with the first touchdown to Cade uh, in between the safety and the corner. This is just a beautiful ball. He gave uh, Cade a chance to run underneath it, kind of set up his body position to take a cut back to the inside and beat the safety to the goal line. So that was really great to see. A couple things I would like to see him take another step on uh, moving forward is when he's, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 because you want him to be super decisive, and he knows he knows what guy's going to come open with some of the coverage he's getting, but you can't stare him down. Um, he stared down, I believe, Zach Hines on one play, just just blatantly right as soon as he caught the shotgun snap. That kind of got him into some trouble. And then same thing again to another tight end with Coons. But, you know, who get that ironed out? You're just getting some jitters out. In terms of command of the offense, I definitely felt it. His presence is different. His The rhythm is different. You know, the whole offense kind of just seems like they're clicking uh, on all cylinders when he's under center. So that's good. Yeah. And I, and. You know, for making his second start, uh, the poise that he showed on that pass to Pierre in the third quarter that Pierre scored on, uh, you know, getting out of the pocket. And yep. Pierre was wide open. But, you know, just making that toss to him, uh, which on the run like that's probably a little harder than, than the average fan imagines. <laughs> and and that was just really cool to see because, uh, you know, for a freshman, the if your first read's not there, a lot of times they may be – ready to tuck it and run. Uh, but he kept his eyes downfield and hit Pierre for that long touchdown. So, yeah, 
And and I liked that he was just playing football at the end of the day. You saw a lot of really nice back throw, shoulder throws to to Yankee, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Janky uh, Yankee, because <laughs> um, he's anything but that. Because he was balling, uh, just making some great body control adjustments to those back shoulder throws, um, which is going to be really nice, you know, if he continues to emerge as a solid, you know, number three. Because really, Adam Anderson hasn't even gotten going. He had four catches for you know, some decent yardage. But once he starts to get a feel for it and get in rhythm, we just have so many weapons on offense. It's like, take your pick, pick your poison. How do you want to go down? So, yeah, I think uh, one thing I really want to point out in credit is special teams. After a down week last week, uh, they, they responded big time. Two block field goals and a blocked punt. Uh, awesome to see. And the, the block punt for a safety, uh, I know Jake Anrude was running about as fast as he could, and he's a fast player. Uh, but just just beat him out the back end zone there, or else they may have had a touchdown there. So uh, certainly in that in that seventy five yard punt by Dinkle. Yeah, oh yeah, Dinkle! Um, I completely forgot about the punts by Dinkle. My goodness! I mean, shoot, I hadn't seen a punt like. I mean, South Dakota State's had some incredible punters too. It's just some incredible kickers and specialists all around. But I, I hadn't seen a punt like that since we were at Nebraska, and I think twenty ten. And the, the ball was snapped over Dean Pretty's head. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He picked it up and then got a boomer off. I mean, that was just – it was stellar. Dinkle did a great job. It just shows you the importance of field position. And it just shows you what I kept harping on earlier in some of our episodes. It's like special teams can't be ancillary. It has to be what it was on Saturday night, which is a staple uh, for a championship program. Yeah. Yeah, Dinkle's first two punts, you know, he had that bomb, that 75-yard bomb. And then the next one – he hit it high enough and it was downed at the five yard line, you know? So he had his yep. first two punts, both were in the side, the five, which is just incredible. You're lucky to see that once every couple games, uh, you know, he landed three inside the 20 on three punts. That's, what else can you ask your punter to do? Right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you make a team drive 95 yards, even 80 yards on our defense. I'll take that any day of the week. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I think, uh, we need to mention our boy, Mikey. You want to talk about it quick? Absolutely. Uh, the 26-yard – or I'm sorry, the 26 touchdown of his career was, uh, was fitting because it came from short yardage, just being a bully in there. And then, I mean, of course, a jackrabbit always has hops. So um, kind of putting another defensive back on a highlight reel by hurdling him later in the game – landing on his feet in stride and picking up some extra yards. I thought that was really nice, really sweet. Um, so Mikey six guy, Daniel. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, so this last one, this last highlight I want to touch on uh, is going to lead into maybe, maybe some of the negative a little bit too. Uh, our third down defense, you know, I asked you before, like what you thought of our third down defense and uh, I was surprised, shocked to see that we we held them to four of 17 conversion rate on, on third down defense. I sitting in the stands, it felt like they were just converting constantly, but four of 17, Holy smokes. That is some good third down defense. That's excellent. Especially considering that was kind of the bane of our defensive existence last year, man, especially when we were playing some marquee opponents like NDSU, um, we would get them in third and long. They would have, uh, you know, either an improvised quarterback run or some, you know, just something they pull out of their hat and, and we wouldn't get it done. This year, um, 
I think there was a stat that Midco brought up that we were heating up Drake 90% of the time on third down, really, really just blitzing. It was effective. Um, one of the things I hope we get away from kind of is that tendency to blitz primarily on third down. Hopefully we're mixing that up. Um, I'm not a statistician. I don't know how to pull it up, but I think we're doing a good job of kind of being more multiple there and in, in terms of our tendencies. So that'll be nice. Um, but yeah, third down, that's where you're going to win champion third down, strong defense, turn the, getting turnovers, turning the ball over and then running, running the ball and controlling time of possession. That's championship football. Mm-hmm. A uh, couple areas of concern, I think that we both uh, agreed on, uh, you know, in the first half in our text group, uh, I couldn't tell from where I was at, but I was like, Kyle, what's going on? They keep getting to the boundaries. What's going on? And uh, on the, on their rushing offense. And we were just getting gashed on the edge and you responded to holding. Uh, and, and it sounds like it. I, I saw Matt Zimmer and you tweeted back and forth a little bit with an exchange there. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I I was a defensive lineman formerly. I will never complain about holding because grass is green, water's wet, and there's probably a hold on every friggin' football play. <laughs> um, so with that said, though, I mean, to, for us to have six penalties before they even had one called is just oddly disproportionate. And uh, not only that, some of them were, were blatantly happening right in front of the line judge or, or even the back judge. There was a screen where Roseboom got like literally held and turned around. They didn't, they didn't call it. Um, and then it kind of sprung the guy for a little bit of a, a little bit of a game. I, I, I think it was uh, Lance Lawson there, but it was just one of those situations where our, our interior D linemen, they would start to get some, see some daylight and have some penetration and they're just, getting held creatively and all these other things. But I'm like, if I'm seeing this on TV, how are they not seeing this, you know, on field? So I don't know. It's just one of those things. You got to leave no doubt. I think we left no doubt as it's the game started to progress. Yes. But, but you know, um, they were getting to the edge a little bit on, on some of those run plays and they were dinking and dunking on us. But uh, my biggest, my biggest concern probably moving forward throughout the year, and it's not just the Jacks. This is kind of the nature of college football now is the quarterback run. We're going to have to do something, um, and I'm sure the coaches will when they scheme for it, but the quarterback run has really kind of been a thorn in our side throughout uh, our, our emergence as an F- FCS power here. So it'll be interesting to see what we do to kind of combat that. Agreed. You know, Lawson last night finished with a, a net of 40 yards uh, and, a, and a touchdown. Um, you know, we have too, much, uh, too many bad memories of Easton Stick uh, converting some of those longer third downs with his legs. So that's just an area – I don't know if it's a reaction thing or we're just so disciplined in our drops for our zones or we're in man or just, you know, whatever we get beaten. Uh, but I would really love us to, love to see that cleaned up too. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and then, you know, it's only going to get – it's only going to get tougher as we see McIlvain, who's a great play extender for UNI. Yeah. I've watched a little bit of film on, and he's really, really pretty sad. He's got a lot of moxie of his own. Um, so it was good to see Helbig in that situation. He has, he has some moxie. He had some creativity, uh, try to, trying to extend the plays and find the open man. Um, so it was good to see, I think, a little bit more twitchy talent than maybe Drake or LIU was able to, to roll out there on the field. So that's going to be good heading into, you know, the improvement week and then obviously Missouri Valley play. Yes, definitely. Uh, you know, one, one thing I just, in our, in our text group I threw out there, uh, 
you know, the, the emphasis right now on targeting in college football, uh, I think uh, we saw we saw some of the uh, collateral damage on that last night with Zach Hines. Um, that, that hit that was super low right at the knee. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the possession before uh, the Barracuda got called for a targeting uh, penalty. Looked looked shoulder to chest to me. I know their heads did hit, but I thought the shoulder was first, I guess. But um, anyways, you know, I feel bad for Zach. I have no idea where he's at. Uh, Injury-wise, it didn't look good. Uh, but, man, you just see these guys coming in low like that. And I believe it was Tony Gonzalez that, you know, the, the Hall of Famer that uh, that talked about he'd pay guys fines if they hit him high. He just didn't want them to hit him at the knee because, you know, that's you're out for the season or whatever. You lose your twitch. So uh, feel bad for Zach. Hopefully he's okay and it's not as bad as it looked. Yeah, it was definitely a hard play to watch. I think it's a Robin Peter to pay Paul type situation when they force defensive backs, honestly, to play more passively because you don't know, okay, if I – if I go in for a kill shot here, am I launching? Am I, yeah. am I, am I going up top to the head or neck area? You know, uh, am I going to secure the tackle? I just need to do that first and foremost. So when you, when you get guys to slow down and start thinking like that, you, you build in injury potential. It goes up. Mm-hmm. And then when you're, you're asking to take guys out at the leg, um, you know, I've seen guys who have had devastating um, knee injuries. I played with a guy, General Parnell, who had a de- devastating knee injury, and he was a heck of a defensive back, like really had what I thought and a lot of my teammates thought was a good shot at the next level. So when you do that, anytime you, you force um, a defensive back to go low, who are the first people they're going to go low on? Well, a 6'6", six, six, however tall mm-hmm. Hines is, and 250-pounder. Um, and, and on those bang-bang plays like that, when when all your weight's coming down, you know, to secure some footing and you got a guy coming full speed the other way. That's, that's not a good situation. So, you know, you don't fault the defensive player too much. He's just trying to do his job. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. It comes with the territory of playing, playing ball. I really hope he uh, heals up and can get back out there. Um, Don't want to speculate, but just didn't look pretty. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the Barracudas, you know, it looked like he was trying to get his head out of the way. So I think that they understood you know, that maybe he was making an attempt to turn his head because it looked like he was trying to turn his head, give the give the receiver his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, he brought the wood on that play, so I was happy to see that. Um, glad both guys were hurt, and I'm glad the, the refs, you know, used their, their better judgment and understood that it wasn't malicious. Yeah. Because a lot of times that's the thing that you're not – I don't think you're deterring people from – playing football the same way by ejecting them from the game it's not when, when something's blatant blatantly malicious maybe but even so like let's say it's not blatantly malicious and they're going 100 100 miles an hour on a play and they just so happen to you know lower the boom and hit someone up around the head or neck area you're, you're gonna eject them for playing full speed I mean I just I don't know man I think it's one of those situations where we're overreacting and, and we're just trying to appease ourselves and, and kind of distract ourselves from the reality that football is a violent game. Yes. And I think, I don't know if you saw it or not, but uh, the Wisconsin-Michigan game yesterday, you had two Wisconsin, the two starting Wisconsin safeties got ejected on yep. uh, pretty close to back, back-to-back plays, the same possession at least. And the first one, 
uh, you know, McCaffrey, the Michigan backup quarterback, was in dual threat quarterback running for a first down, slid super late. Uh, so the Wisconsin safety did catch him high and uh, the refs kicked him out, ruled it malicious. Uh, the second one was absolutely malicious. And, yeah, and you can the tell the difference one. between the intent, oh. like it's night and day. So uh, it just well, the one I saw was was on McCaffrey, yeah. and I don't know if I was just overcome by the violence of that hit, but my goodness, it looked like literally looked like a car wreck. Yeah, that um, that was the second one, and that one was yeah, terrible. That, like that was that one was absolutely he it, he didn't need to do it. Yep. See, so that's that's the thing they're trying to remove from the game, and I'm all about that, right? Like that's like trying to you know you're trying to I don't know what you're trying to do, so I'm not going to speak for him, but I just think we need to have a greater understanding of when we implement, when we have oversight and we examine the rules of the game, and then we look to implement um, rule changes. We also, we can't be so quick to do that because then there are unintended consequences that might come with that. And when we look down the road, you know, are we all going to have, you know, immaculate memory, but be in wheelchairs? I mean, I don't know. It's just, sure. It's a tough call. Um, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, but I think you still keep playing fast, physical, um, violent at the point of contact, and just play the game. Yep. You know, that's all you, that's all you can do. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then this is kind of a weird shout-out, uh, different than normal, but uh, shout-out to Southern Utah's offense. That was kind of a fun little offense to watch. Uh, you know, they had 30 receptions to 11 different receivers, and that's pretty dang impressive to spread the ball out that much. And uh, – you know, they used a lot of shifts, a lot of formations. You talked about being multiple. Uh, it, it's it's a good offense, I think, to, to prepare for uh, because you, you really had to be ready for anything, especially with the, the number of trick plays that they had run already this season. We saw a couple last night. Uh, so I, I wouldn't mind if Southern Utah was stayed on our schedule in future seasons. Uh, that's that's kind of a fun, fun team, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're – total net rushing yards are 111 on 38 attempts for 2.9 yard average I think you're going to go ahead and try to do different things to get the guys balls and the ball in space because you're not going to run through that wall that is the front seven of the jacks mm-hmm. um, they're just too they're too aggressive too physical at the point of contact they were getting on the edge a little bit it looked like some of our defensive ends when we were rolling them in in waves because they were they were running um, some tempo type offense at times when they had some rhythm going. Uh, I looked like we broke contain a little bit. Maybe we were looking at a two way rush of it. Didn't know, didn't adhere to our assignment uh, or something like that. So um, want to get that shored up. Want to get the penalty shored up, man. Like I, I know we touched on it, but I really think that if you look at our first four games this season, each game, I think the Jacks have been our own worst enemy. I really, I really don't think that, you know, you look at the, the poor snap that led to the pick mm-hmm. that Jabori threw. You look at the fumble or the, uh, the fumble that occurred on the exchange with the running backs. You look at a kick return called back for a touchdown or, or touchdown got called back. And uh, then you look at in this game, six penalties for 45 yards at half. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had pass interference we had an offsides penalty um we had you know too many men on the field like too many men on the field we've had you know suspect decisions made on uh on special teams when we're returning punts like run run to the sideline i don't know why we're letting balls drop 
I mean, maybe that's that's pre-planned into, into the game plan, but personally, I don't understand why you'd ever give up 5, 10 yards of field position, catch the ball, take the hit, or fair catch it, man. Like, I, if you're a receiver back there, how are you not going to catch a punt? Yeah. Maybe I'm being a little bit too critical. I'm not trying to come down on them because I don't know what they're scheming for, but I just – I think at the end of the day, if you're a – senior leader and you're in that locker room you examine what you've done and what you've not done outside of game time in terms of preparation what are you doing at practice are you sleeping enough are you getting to class on time are you hitting all your workouts um, with the same type of intensity and mentality that you need to to win because if you're not doing those little things or if you are doing those little things you still need to find room to take that that next step to improve so whether it's watching more film you know studying your playbook a little bit more it has to be done because there's far too much talent on that team and our schemes are far too good for us to be shooting ourselves in the foot when it comes to valley play you know agreed uh and and you bring up a great point on the punt returns and we all know that jackson is super explosive we've seen that already this season uh but what I always appreciate about Marshawn back there is that he eliminated that bounce. I think Marshawn's longest return in his career is like 18 yards, but he still, uh, you know, we, we rarely lost yards on a rolling ball. He'd get on it and just dive on it. And, and that's it. You know, the ball's dead right there. If he, mm-hmm. if he didn't catch it, you know, he fair caught so many punts that I think a lot of, a lot of fans were frustrated with it, but we didn't have negative yards from it. So uh, I hope Jackson, you know, last week he muffed that punt. Uh, I think, uh, you know, due to the sun, it sure looked like to me. And I think Stig said that last week in interviews. But I hope he's not getting gun shy back there because as a punt returner, you, you just can't have that. You have to have – yeah, just can't. And at night, there's no reason for you not to go. I, I've played there under under the lights. There's no distraction. There's no – there's really no reason to not catch the ball um, unless it's just an absolute duck and it's it's just not worth it which I can understand from there or field position. If your toes are on the 10 things of that nature, but you know, we just need to shore some of those things up. Um, you know, the big thing is, is they're not effort mistakes. They're not effort penalties. So that's good. Cause you can, if, if you're having to coach guys through effort, then they're in the wrong spot. Yeah. Stand, your standard of play is starting to weaken or starting to weaken. But overall, I, I, I like what we have as a squad in talent. I've never seen a, a Jack squad this talented. So, um, I just I hope you take that next step and, and uh, realize that almost are, are no more. Yeah, certainly. The, you know, Stig likes to call this week improvement week. And so, you know, it's a couple couple things that I'd like to see improve. Uh, the first one being the consistency on the offensive line. I think we can say that we've had two really good performances and two kind of maybe one poor performance and then one ho-hum kind of iffy performance. And, uh, you know, I really think that, man, we that that group is talented. They're deep. And I don't think there's any reason why why they can't have strong performances every week. And we know know that the top teams, you and I, Illinois State, NDSU, uh, Youngstown, they have really good defensive lines. So they're going to have to be up to the challenge for at least half of the Valley games this year, for sure. We need them for all eight, but for four games, they're going to get really pushed. And so they need to be ready for it and have that consistency level, uh, not just from game to game, but snap to snap. So 
we'll see. We'll see what they can bring. Definitely. That's a good point. You know, I don't think it's any secret to anybody who's been near football. The game is one in the trenches, offensive and defensive lines. And so you're spot on there with your assessment. They have been, you know, they've been as elite as elite can be. And then they've played to their level of what I would say is lesser competition at different times. So I'd uh, like to see those things get cleaned up. Coach Eck is an offensive line coach. He's played it himself. I love when guys have had skin in the game like that. So he's definitely going to get after it. Um, I saw Matt Zimmer tweet some things that he was uh, giving them an earful. And sometimes you need that to be humbled, especially as a young, young person. And it kind of uh, shakes off the, the rust and the cobwebs and you start to get back to the basics and just adhering to your technique. So that'll be good. Um, what I would like to see personally is I would like to see us take care of the ball better. Our ball security has been subpar given that our defense is doing such a good job and our special teams at turning the ball over or creating sudden change. So I think that, you know, we fumbled multiple times in the red zone. It was a different quarterback, but when you're on the field, you take part in ball security. So it doesn't really matter who's in there. Um, The picks that were thrown, I mean, those are issues of maturation, but those cannot happen in Valley play. It's far too much of a meat grinder to, to give people extra shots at trying to convert and score on you. And then time of possession. Like, I understand when you got weapons that we've got, time of possession might be a difficult thing to always win because you're going to have big and explosive plays that you can't really account for when they're going to arrive. But time of possession – Great defense and consistent special teams is how you win championships. Look at the look at the Bison's seven, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and and that is Bison with an S. So um, <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a formula, right? And then you look at Washington State. I don't know if anybody stayed up that late, but I'm a football junkie. Watched a little bit of it. They were dropping bombs all over the field, scoring in one play, two plays, quick big chunk yardage plays, and they lost the game. I mean, I don't care how many points you put up. You got to stop them and you got to have good time of possession. And that's, that's the name of the game. So those are the things I want to see the Jacks just continue to do a little bit better. Good. I, you know, I, I'm sure since the Minnesota game, the playbook uh, that we saw at Minnesota has definitely been on the shelf. And I am so excited to get into Valley play here and to see uh, what this offense really looks like with Coach Eck, <laughs> because we saw some wild formations up in the cities, and and we haven't seen them since. And so I am super pumped to get those back again, and to see to see Coach Eck unleash the these playmakers that really for the last three weeks, uh, other than an end around to Kate or a jet sweep or whatever it is, uh, have been kind of. Uh, it's it's been pretty tame, right? <laughs> yeah, and Matt, when did we shelf Cade last night? Uh, I I'm not sure. I'm like third quarter ish. I didn't see. I don't. Maybe I didn't. Maybe we weren't going to him, but I don't recall seeing him too much on the field. You know, later in the game, and so you know that that's another thing, man. I I really feel like we could have blown the brakes off that team if if we wanted to, but we yeah. used it kind of. It, it seemed like Coach Eck was using it as like, all right, we need, we got some skelly work we need to get in here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I have uh, I have a list of what Javori likes. I have a list of what you know is going to augment our skilled players' talents. So we're going to go to those plays, get the ball quick on the perimeter, a lot of slants, a lot of seam stuff. 
against that defense. So, I mean, I liked what we were doing. And uh, it, it really was necessary, especially because he didn't get a chance to get on the field against LIU and Drake. So, um, but man, unleashing those three backs. I mean, I tweeted it out. I really don't, I'm trying, I try to evaluate my bias, but I really think that all three of those backs can play at the FBS level. And a lot of them could start on a power five. I, I believe it. Yeah. They're, they're pretty special. I mean, you saw CJ get that edge on his touchdown last night. And his and, burst, and yeah. him, when, when he takes a jab step and, and he – you better go pick up your jock, man, because yeah. he's going to be laying on the field. Yeah, yeah. And Pierre just – I mean, he, he makes himself skinny going through that hole. And when he gets there, it's just he, – he's through it so quick. That's, that's – I mean, what shocked everyone last year was how quick he gets through the hole. And, uh, I mean, Mikey – God, you know, the power, we've talked about Mikey already, but the power mm. and, and the athleticism, which is just really underrated in his game. Uh, I think you're right. Absolutely. All three could play. Yeah. And what's so odd to watch when you see Pierre run is, um, I'm saying Pierre, that's, that's how people in South Dakota say the capital. <laughs> Pierre, that's probably how he prefers it. Pierre is strong. Pierre. Um, I like how smooth he is, man. Cause like, that's just something that most of us will never have that God given ability, but his, <laughs> his ability to get skinny, like you're saying his patience to the hole, speed through the hole. I, I do want to see him run through some tackles a little bit better. I understand that that's maybe not his game, but he's a running back and that comes with it. Um, so if, if he can do that and continue to but see, the thing is he hasn't really had to, mm-hmm. we have the, we have the thunder that is Mikey Daniel and we have the lightning that is CJ and then you have the Swiss Army knife that's Pierre. So mm-hmm. it's just really it's really fun to watch. And again, kudos to our recruiting. I everybody's like, oh, you know, you lost Winicky. What are you gonna do? You lost Zenner. What are you gonna do? You know, you lost Sumner. We just continue to reload, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it's pretty special, man. Because when you're coaching, you're also recruiting, and that that needs to be taken into account. These coaches are burning it at both ends during the year. So it's pretty pretty spectacular to watch. This is a heyday right now in Jackrabbit football, I think. Exactly, and we need to be we need to appreciate that. But Kyle, excellent segue, excellent segue, good job. Uh, so next week, you know, we, because we have the bye, we don't really have a game to preview this week. So uh, next week is going to be a three part episode. There'll be a couple different segments actually for you, and I'm going to be focusing on the the 2020 recruits. Uh, there was 14 of them in the house yesterday. Uh, was able to get down on the field and, and snap some pictures quick. And uh, and uh, I just want to spend some time talking about them. And uh, Kyle, what are you going to be talking about? I'll be chatting with uh, one of my former teammates, and we mentioned him before, but Ryan McKnight. He's going to hop on the pod, and we're going to discuss the Jackrabbit Football Players Association. Um, and then I'm going to pick McKnight's brain about some of his memories and experiences playing ball and kind of what it means to be a jackrabbit and uh yeah we'll chop it up should be fun good and then we will preview uh southern illinois uh who who got beat pretty badly last night by arkansas state uh they started a different quarterback uh so yeah we'll have a preview for them so really looking forward to next week's podcast uh visiting with folks at tailgating yesterday kyle we're known as the serious podcast uh, <laughs> For the hardcore footballers, I guess. And so, uh, yeah, I look forward to talking some hardcore football uh, next week with you again. Perfect. Love it, man. I'm always down.
All right. And again, thank you for listening. As we always say, please, please subscribe. Please share with your friends. Uh, appreciate the shout out from, from our friend, Emily Powell or Emily Kranz now uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, you know, we again, appreciate that, uh, that you guys love what we're doing and, and uh, we'll keep doing it as long as we get listeners. So, uh, you know, please share, please rank or please whatever on your platform. Um, so thank you again. Thanks, everybody. All right. Go Jacks. Run rabbits. We'll